Greetings fellow wanderers in the fourth dimension, you're listening to The Greatest Show in the Galaxy, I'm Mike and she's Emma, and today we'll be talking about spin-offs of Doctor Who. Yeah, the uh, somewhat tumultuous history of Doctor Who spin-offs. Mm. Um, I think today we should point out this isn't going to be definitive in any way. No. <laughs> um, there's going to be some things we missed out um, because there's just, once you dig into um, the history of Doctor Who, especially in the in the wilderness years, there's a heck of a lot going on. So apologies if you're listening to this and hoping that we're going to shout out your favourite bit of Doctor Who related media and we miss <laughs> it. But we're going to basically try and overview as much of it as possibly can. Um, and maybe if you're listening to this and you're a new fan to the show, uh, you'll find something you want to check out. So, Mike, let's begin, shall we? Mm. Um, so, in terms of Doctor Who spin-offs, the very first thing we have to talk about is Canine and Company. Yes. Steer this... old Canine and Company. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this was the first attempt to do a, um, effectively a Sarah Jane spin-off. Um, it's had, I think it was it's about an hour long show i think it was back in 81 yeah, it's about that yeah it's about that yeah and um yeah that worked out didn't it yeah i was gonna say i mean it, it's none more 80s as well i mean mm. it's like the if you just if you want sort of an imperfect encapsulation of the 1980s mm. i would suggest that you go and have a look at the at the canine and company opening titles <laughs> which are incredible oh god yes um, but as uh, as far as the story goes, um, it's it's your standard kind of macabre British fair with kind of satanic villagers mm. and um, kind of you know p- missing people and Sarah's the only one who's uh, on the side of good where everyone else is in a secret cabal type thing. <laughs> um, it as it's not a horrendously bad story. Um, it's obviously nice to see Sarah Jane and K9 back. Hmm. On the other hand, Sarah's mysterious nephew, I think Brendan is his name. <laughs> oh. the, the less said about Brendan, the better. What did you think to this one then, Mike? Um, I have to be honest. I mean, I did get... Obviously, it's on DVD as, um, boxed with uh, The Invisible Enemy. Mm-hmm. And I watched about five minutes of it and I sort of went, <laughs> yeah... I, do you know what? I have to be honest, I don't feel very qualified to talk about the spin-offs because, as, as we'll go on, I don't have a lot of time for them. <laughs> I mean, that's something that is going to come up as we go forward. I mean, as obviously as we progress into post-2005 and stuff like Torchwood, mm. I mean, obviously, because it was all interwoven with um, stuff that was happening in the main show, mm. um, you were more, you had more of an imperative to watch it. Um, despite its variable quality, as obviously we will talk about once we uh, once we get to them. Um, but you know, like I say, K Nine and Company is not horrendous. <laughs> I've definitely seen worse episodes. I think if you have, as we usually say, a high tolerance for camp, uh-huh. and uh, <laughs> um, you were kind of into that Hammer Horror, Amicus kind of cheesy satanic uh, kind of. Uh, evil village type story then mm. you know you, you can't you can't ask for any more than this it's very like the stones of blood if it was much worse yeah that's, that's true yeah yeah i, I think that's that. sort of what i equated to so long story short this episode went out and it did not do well it did no. not get a um get a series 
from this. So really, although there had been um, talk of movies and spin-offs and other things, this was really the only official attempt mm. um, that was sort of written, produced, made and put out. And it fell flat on its arse, essentially. So if we fast forward up to 1989 um, and the ending and the uh, the ending of the regular series, mm-hmm. um, this is where the spin-off stuff gets really <laughs> complicated because lots of people went, oh, good, we can make our own Doctor Who stuff. Yeah. Or wink, wink, nudge, nudge, actually not Doctor Who stuff, but totally is Doctor Who stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are a few different uh, companies which had a go at this. Yeah. Um, I think, really, it's going to be easier for me to just uh, spin off a little bit of uh, the Wikipedia page at you, and we yeah. shall intervene as we go along. So, beginning in 1987, the release of Wartime by Real Time Pictures, who mm-hmm. uh, is one of the main ones. A number of professionally produced spin-off films and audio dramas have been produced. As noted above, these dis- these differ from BBC and Big Finish Productions. Big Finish we will talk about presently. Um, they only they usually only feature characters or monsters not owned by the BBC, but rather licensed from their creators. Some spin-offs are original works using original characters, strongly suggested by the characters in Doctor Who. Again, we'll get there in a minute. In many cases, original cast members from Doctor reprise their TV roles for the film and several involved behind-the-scenes veterans are from the series. A number mm-hmm. of writers and actors involved in these productions late, went, to late on to work, went on to work with fully licensed Doctor Who spin-offs, again, such as Big Finish and Nick Briggs and Mark Gatiss uh, writing and doing voices on the show. Um, by way of comparison, these spin-off productions often classified as fan films are in spirit similar to the professionally made fan films based upon the Star Trek franchise going to emerge in the early 2000s when right holders for Star Trek relaxed their restrictions. So basically, once the rights to a lot of characters like the Sontarans, Draconians, people like uh, characters like that mm. um, were being relaxed, although you couldn't use the Doctor, no. um, there was sometimes <laughs> a lot of these things featuring the Professor and the Stranger oh, God, and yeah. stuff like that. Um, and there are some absolutely choice <laughs> ones. Um, I will uh, go. I'll, hand, I'll hold my hands up for this one and confess I haven't seen all of these. I've seen quite a few, um, and I must say, um, although they are produced by people who now work on the show proper, mm-hmm. um, they are of varying quality. <laughs> um, so ha- I, I would say some of this stuff is um, on YouTube. I know the Airzone solution, which is uh, uh, quite an interesting thing. It doesn't actually have any narrative connection to it. I mean, it's nothing mm. even like that. There's not even any of the... Uh, of the monsters or anything in it. Um, it has got John Pertwee, Peter Davison, Colin Baker, Sylvester McCoy, and Nicola Bryant in it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a sort of an environmental drama. Um, yeah. And if you're someone who's watched Doctor Who for a long time, um, you may never get over the sight of Colin Baker and Nicola Bryant in bed together. Uh-huh. Ah. It, is, it is something else. No. Yeah. It's, oh, um, God. It's pretty grim. Oh, <laughs> Quick, talk about something else. I'm trying to okay, get so, this um, one Okay, so let's just go through if, if, uh, some that are listed here on the Wikipedia site because, mm. you know, I'm, I've got an okay memory for Doctor Who stuff, but even I can't remember most of this stuff. So <laughs> the Alton trilogy, which I'll hold my hands up and say I haven't watched. Uh, Probe, which with Caroline John, um, which who's playing Liz Shaw. Yeah. Um, working with Probe for Probe Reunit, effectively. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
So, again, if you'd like to see Caroline John doing science things while smoking a pipe, <laughs> can't recommend Probe enough. Um, the Air Zone Solution we talked about. Right, The Stranger. Now, this was a fairly big one. It's Colin Baker as The Stranger mm-hmm. with his companion, Miss Brown. Played by Nicola Bryant. Yes. Hmm. So, can you... <laughs> can I know, you it's cunning, out? isn't it? It's cunning. Yes. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, so there was a whole bunch of... Uh, of these uh, it's like a, a serial series um i think yeah. sort of like halfway through they actually managed to like tweak it so technically the stranger wasn't an xp of the doctor really yeah it said once you get to the terror game which was um the fourth episode in this serial hmm. um they pretty moved they moved away from it quite a lot it's sort of it's quite stra- it's not too bad actually i mean um if you can Really, it's quite weird. And obviously, these are sort of made to appeal to Doctor Who fans, and yeah. I don't really know who else would buy these. <laughs> but you also have to kind of switch your brain on to saying, well, they're not actually the Doctor and hmm. Perry. They're actually this thing called the Stranger, who has a completely different setup to the Sixth Doctor, but also is the Sixth Doctor. Yeah, it's really weird to try and yeah. get your get your head about it. Um uh, Real time pictures, which is uh, who are responsible for Myth Makers. Um, Myth Makers, if uh, you're again not a Who fan of certain vintage, um, were basically videos released kind of interview series with mm. doctors, companions, behind the scenes people. Actually, very good. They're sort of extras before extras were even envisaged as a thing. Yeah. Um, yeah carry on. Well, I was going to say what's uh, interesting is that. Um... The Mythmakers also had its own little spin-off called The Mythmoner. Yes. Um, which stars Nicholas Briggs. <laughs> of course. As a down and his look detective, um, who is tracking down a person called The Mythmoner, who has a tendency to kill um, <laughs> his interviewees, who are all <laughs> Doctor Who veterans with any questions. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, indeed. Uh, Wartime, which was the... Uh, the in uh, 1987 release so this was while the show was still on air mm-hmm. which actually makes it interesting centered around john levine um yeah. playing sergeant benton again mm-hmm. um again how much you, enjoyment you're gonna get out of this is how much do you love john levine really <laughs> um oh oh Mm, yeah. Um, so then on to things like Shakedown, which was the mm. Santaran one. It's actually not bad, Shakedown. Uh, interesting design for the Santarans. Yes, indeed. Uh, Downtime, which is, I think, probably the most famous, if if we have a, a fame index for these uh, fan spin-offs, mm. uh, which had a whole lot of... Um, whole lot of uh of doctor who stars in it and ended up being a novel for the virgin Miss- missing adventures mm. um and it's actually you know i think it actually still holds up um uh downtime it's uh pretty good and the mind game trilogy which is uh about a draconian a human and a sontaran walking uh, trapped in a cell yeah oh, sorry. <laughs> Sorry, that was going to be sort of a joke there. Yes, it should be. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of a basic overview of the spin-offs. Um, so have you seen any of these, Mike, or is this all completely uh, new? It, a lot of this is new to me. I have read upon some of these, um, such as uh, there's a one by BBV who produced mm-hmm. Auton and Pro called Do You Have a License to Save This Planet? Mm-hmm. Uh, starring Sylvester McCoy as the Foot Doctor, uh, which basically... <sighs> 
a spoof on the whole <laughs> Doctor Who thing. It's, it's, I mean, you know, fair play to them for like jumping on the the chance while Doctor Who was off the air. Oh but, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you you um you can't really fault you know their passion and wanting mm. to keep Doctor Who on the air in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, I'm trying to remember. Um, which is it? Is it all? Oh, it's Probe that has um, um, Peter Davison in it as. Uh, is that an, an evil um, priest or something, isn't he? Or I'm trying to remember. Oh, Google, Google it. <laughs> I can't remember. So I mean, um, I say it's a funny. Personally speaking, a lot of these I watched um, when I was first. Uh, I first uh, started going out with my husband um, mm. because he had a, a lot of this stuff on video and uh, sort of sort of laying around the house and he was transferring a lot of stuff onto dvd and i stupidly mentioned i hadn't seen a lot of this stuff <laughs> so of course he went oh good <laughs> we can watch them together and um yeah that was some of the amongst the most miserable weekends of my life yeah. uh no not really um but yeah some of them are quite dry and um they just sort of aged badly as well a lot mm. of them are sort of shot on video and you, you, I mean, again, it's sort of that weird thing of you're you're watching it as a fan of the show, but yeah. this has got nothing to do with the show. Yeah. So you're like you're trying to sort of switch your brain into I'm watching the Fifth Doctor, but not, or the Seventh Doctor, but not. Mm. You get sort of the weird things of watching like the Seventh Doctor eat a burger and drive a car and things like that, and you just <laughs> sort of think, well, you do sort of wonder why you're watching it because I think if you're honest with some of these things, mm. if it wasn't for the fact it was Doctor Who connected it would be not be watched basically but in terms of in terms of you know people just having a go at this is where people like like nick briggs and mark gate really cut their teeth Mm. um in terms of like video production and writing and networking with people and stuff like that because if it wasn't for these things nick briggs wouldn't have gone on to do big finish and Mm -hmm. they wouldn't be writing books and proper episodes now and being monsters and all that sort of thing so this is where they really sort of took their lumps and got good yeah it's interesting that um bbb productions have still been putting stuff out up to like 2008 because they released a yeah. film called uh, zygon when being you just isn't enough <laughs> oh yes yeah, so that's this funny story with that zygon um is an 18 i think yeah it's 18 it is rated and i remember that when it when my friend bought it because he was still living with his parents mm. and had recently come out as well just to ah. add to it he said i've had to hide it under my bed and i said you what why he said well because <laughs> there's boobs on the front and my parents could be really confused if they find it <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah it was it was quite strange to have sort of things like that yeah. floating around under the auspices of uh, Doctor Who. Yeah. And like you say, for it to be as late as 2008, when you've got the 10th Doctor on the television, mm-hmm. um, I think just just as objects of curiosity as well, they have a value for fans as well. Yeah. Um, if I may, I'm just going to read a quick uh, paragraph from the TARDIS uh, wiki uh, yes. article on Zygon, when being you just isn't enough. Okay, <clears throat> and I quote... The two go into public where Lauren takes the body of a wealthy man, Lauren to Zygon. She uses Visa cards to go shopping and buy multiple sets of clothing, both for the wealthy man and her. Afterwards, she drives the man's Mercedes van back to his house, where his wife is waiting, worried about him being late. So worried, in fact, that she begins having oral sex with him. (laughs) 
I mean, I don't know, but I don't if, know. That's if not my, my wife was worrying about me, I think she'd probably give bash my ears in rather than you know oh, go down on me. Oh, exactly. Oh, it's not my first reaction upon being worried about my other half. Um, yeah, it is basically soft cop porn. Mm. Um, so, but to be honest, it, you know, it's one of these things of I was about to say that what's nice about these maybe Zygon accepted <laughs> is because I haven't seen it, so I can't I can't judge it. But um, ones that I have seen, although I'm saying you know they're a bit dry and you know sometimes pretty terrible to be honest, um, you can't fault it in terms of as well with the monsters sort of getting them to do things that you always thought oh wouldn't it be interesting if, if yeah yeah if. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so with Zygon, yeah, I mean, if you wanted to professionally produce Doctor Who pornography, this might be how it begins. Sure, uh, why not? Sure, why not? Yeah, um, I don't know. But yeah, I think um, when it came out, people were like, really? Really? <laughs> sure. I mean, as well, not just in terms of television, but BBV put out audios as well. Mm. Um, there were ones with, I mean, because there was Seventh Doctor and Ace ones, yeah. but... They no. were called Professor and Dorothy, I think. God. Because Dorothy's is Ace's real name, yeah. apparently, according to the spin-off books. Um, and you had uh, Romana 2 and K9 ones. It's and the it Mistress. The mistress yeah. and other ones. Um, so, yeah, I have, again, I've listened to... I have, I've, I've listened to sort of a couple of each. Mm. And, you know, they're fine. Um, but you can't really say much more than that. Um, again, it's the constant thing of trying to say, right, this is the seventh Doctor, even though she keeps calling him this, and mm-hmm. she's Ace, and keeps calling her Dorothy. Um, yeah, and they did, I, I think as well with the, the seventh Doctor, or Professor ones, they did get a bit of a slap on the wrist about those ones, I believe, as well. Yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's fine, you're, you're really too close. close. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, so I think... Um, I think if you're listening to this episode hoping we're going to absolutely rip these things to bits, we can't because, I mean, I've only, I watched them about seven years ago and Mike, you haven't seen these, most of these at all. So I think we'll just, you know, have a, we'll leave those ones there. It might be interesting to do if they get like a DVD release, but you know, if they're all on VHS. Yes. I'll say I don't know. I haven't got time to chisel the dust off my VHS player. (laughs) So um, let's uh, move on and talk a little bit about uh, Big Finish Hmm. because uh, these are the sort of de facto um, official, if you like. Yeah. Continuations of the stories of um, the fifth, sixth, seventh and eighth Doctors and recently the fourth Doctor as well has Hmm. now joined in. Um, So these started up, I think, in 2003. Um, with a, a, a sort of multi-doctor audio play between the fifth, sixth, and seventh doctors mm-hmm. uh, called Signs of Time. It's actually quite good. Yep. Um, so I listened to Big Finish quite extensively uh, a few years ago, and they have a bunch, a bunch of stuff. Mm. I mean, there's stuff. There's sort of a continuing um, plot series uh, series for the eighth doctor, and actually now some of these are canonical because he mentioned some of the companions he had with them. Mm-hmm. In the Night of the Doctor short, which we saw um, a couple of weeks ago, um, yeah, so that's interesting. That's a whole another discussion <laughs> on its own, actually. That the fact some of these companions are now nailed on canon, because although these big Finnish audios are sort of are condoned and enjoyed by people who work at the BBC, in fact, Jubilee and spare parts are essentially been um, uh, audio plays about Dalek. 
uh, a Dalek and the Cybermen, mm-hmm. which have now been basically co-opted into stories that yeah. we've seen um, on the TV. Um, that their can, can, uh, their positioning canon is questionable because it's that thing. If it hasn't been on TV, it ain't canon. Mm. Um, but now that they've nailed some of these on in that Eighth Doctor mini episode. Mm. That may change things. Um, well, strictly speaking, know. the uh, the companions are canon, but the stories themselves might not necessarily be so because yeah. you basically you just get the Eighth Doctor name checking like his companions, like uh, Lucy and Charlie and Keras, things like that. So the companions themselves are now canon, but it doesn't necessarily mean that, like the the actual audio plays are. But um, mm. I I've got a few big finished CDs. Um, it, it's it's very tough for me to get into it because there's so much of it. Oh, um, absolutely. There's an absolute ton of it. Um, mm. I mean, because in addition to these kind of main stories, there's tons and tons of their own spin-offs mm. um, because Jago and Lightfoot now have a series. <laughs> yeah. The guys from the Talons of Wing Chiang. Yeah. There, there was four series of the Gallifrey, of Gallifrey Chronicles, essentially with Leela and Romana and... Mm. K9 in those ones, which are their whole, con- whole continuity on their own. There was Dalek Empire, there yeah. was I Davros, the which are actually very good. I Davros, yes, the unit audios. There's just tons and tons and tons of stuff. Yeah. Um, but I'll say if it's kind of difficult to kind of to recommend, um, I would say recommend if you wanted to just. It's one of those things if there's so much you kind of just have to pick one and try it. Mm. I would say maybe not the eighth doctor one straight away because when you get into the later eight doctor stuff, you really have had to listen to everything which precedes it because otherwise you've got no idea what's going on. Yeah. But like especially the early fifth, sixth and seventh doctor ones, mm-hmm. as long as you've got a you know, a working knowledge of Doctor Who generally, yeah. dive straight in and yeah. um you'll um you'll sort of pick it up. I mean, they'll have different companions than you're used to sometimes. Mm-hmm. But again, you'll just kind of, you'll get it as you go. And um, like the TV show, there's there's good stuff, average stuff, bad stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I would say on the whole, most of it is good. Yeah. What um, I've heard. Yeah, one of my favourite ones is, um, I don't know if it was actually a proper release. I don't know whether it's like a, a special thing they've put out. Um, but I've got a CD called The Maltese Penguin. Yeah, I think that was a that was a regular release, I believe. Yeah, oh, right. yeah. So um, that brings in the shape shifting Whiffledill from the comic book series Frobisher, um, which I think was always fun. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll say some of those early ones are really great, like the Spectre of Lanyon Moore. There's mm-hmm. one. It was a a six Doctor one. Absolutely loved that. Um, say so I really enjoyed. I say the first one, the Sirens of Time. I really liked. Um, uh, say so it's just some of the titles escape me now. But like I say, like within yeah. the first fifty. You just go for a couple and there's something you'd like. I think at the moment, um, or permanently I think it is, that the first 50 uh, Big Finish audios are a fiver mm. forever, I think. The last thing I saw from them. So, um, yeah, if it's something that you you haven't tried yet, I would encourage people to, to dive in. Um, they're kind of like 90-minute plays, yeah. essentially. So you can knock one off on your commute if you're uh, much like me and commuting to work or mm-hmm. on your drive or, or what, you know, just however you listen to your podcast or whatever, just give one a go. Mm. Um, I, I do recommend them. I think that as well, they've gone a long way to kind of, especially in the early days, they went a long way towards redeeming, um, well, not redeeming, but elevating the fifth, sixth and seventh doctors in a lot of people's 
eyes and ears. Yeah. Um, because they could, I mean, these all those guys of age, they, obviously their voices sound pretty much identical as they mm. ever did. So they can do kind of more edgy and exciting things because obviously they're not having to pay for a huge TV budget and try to explain why these guys are colder. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I I can't recommend Big Finish enough, really. I think if you're a person who who likes the show, has gone into the classic series and has enjoyed that, like coming in for a post-2005 thing, this is a great place to just kind of jump on and try some classic stuff. Yep. I agree. Cool. Okay, so as that brings us into the 2000s, mm. um, we get suddenly the officially endorsed spin-off, which lasts beyond one episode, which <laughs> I think is probably the area of spin-offs we're both most qualified to talk about. Um, so was it 2008 that Torchwood started? I think it was 2006, I think. It's blimey, was it? Good Lord. Mm. So I remember watching the, because uh, it was a double bill, the first episode. It was. Yes. That's about as far as I got. Oh, really? You didn't watch me on that? Yeah. I, I, the problem I have with Torchwood is, yes, it's supposed to be like the adult um, spin-off of Doctor Who, but I think sort of... I don't know. It's, it was like trying too hard to be adult. Oh, yeah. The I first thought, series. Yeah. I mean, especially... I mean, okay, obviously, the first episode, fine, that's all set up. Like, Torchwood 3's in Cardiff, you know, Jackson Mortal, blah, blah, blah. But then the second episode, you have... an. Uh, a gaseous alien life form that kills people through sex. I mean, uh, yeah, the sex gas episode that was um, it's, pretty it's, ropey. It's it's like it's trying to be adult, but it's more sort of like teenager. Yeah, it does come across as, especially the first series. I mean, mm. we should let's let's backtrack a little bit. So, in the first, second series, the arc word was Torchwood, mm-hmm. and everyone was going Torchwood, 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 and get really excited about it. And that obviously led into the finale of the second series. Yeah, but then this. This, in conjunction with the popularity of the Captain Jack character, mm-hmm. um, sort of led to the idea that this would be the spin-off. Because up until that point, I believe, I think right up until the till the decision had to be made what way they were going, mm-hmm. they wanted to do a spin-off. And for a long time, that spin-off was going to be Earth, uh, Rose Tyler Earth Defense. Yeah, <laughs> which essentially saying like the same basic premise as Torchwood, but with Billy Piper in the lead role Mm -hmm. with everyone else, Mickey and Pete and basically in the alternative universe. Now for various reasons, um, some of which are mysterious, this got dropped like a hot potato. I think probably something to do with Billy Piper, I would expect not wanting this to do it. Well, I think if I remember correctly, um, Rose Earth's defense was supposed to be like a third spin-off from Doctor Who because you had oh, yeah, Torchwood, yeah, yeah. Sarah Jane and then it was Rose suggested Tyler. to Rose Tyler yeah. Defence but then RTD nixed it because it was he thought it was a spin-off too far which I can see because the only way I could see it being was I think it was something like a like a, an hour special or something but I could yeah. tell it like being like a young adult sort of Torchwood it's like somewhere in between Sarah Jane Adventures and Torchwood in sort of like the age spectrum you know what yeah. I mean? But then you sort of think, well, what, isn't that where Doctor Who is? Yeah. <laughs> you know? So, like you say, spin off too far, various other, you know, various stuff. It was chucked in the bin before development really started. So, um, the spin off of Tortured was announced. And, like a lot of us, we gathered around to watch the uh, opening double bill mm-hmm. and went, Mm, okay. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like actually, you say, you know, it was it was basically a fourteen year old boy's idea of yeah. a mature adult sci fi. Well actually, um I tell a lie, I did 
watch stop watch the first ten minutes of Cyberwoman as well. Oh, and then <laughs> and then that was what put me off because it was like okay yeah Japanese scientists investigate thing in the, the basement. Um, Yanto Jones is partially cy- cybernized uh, girlfriend. What does he do? Go straight for the boobs. Of course. I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. sake. And, just, and I, I mean, was like, right, that's it. Yeah. I mean, Torchwood Series 1 had many problems. Mm. Um, like you say, the stories were very immature and sort of badly thought out. The characters were all horrible. Mm-hmm. I mean, because I think like, a lot of people, I went into this thinking Captain Jack's going to be Captain Jack that we know. Yeah. But actually, he's completely different. Mm. Um for various reasons, and it and it happens throughout Torchwood's life, and when he comes back into Doctor Who in between, because Captain Jack, there's two Captain Jacks, one which is on Doctor Who, mm-hmm. and one which is on Torchwood. Yes, and the <laughs> Captain Jack on Torchwood is awful. Um, yeah, to the point that I think series one. I mean, uh, uh, like a lot of people, I think we were watching series one by the end just because it was interlinked with Doctor Who, mm. and occasionally they would pop up. Yeah. In in the main narratives. Obviously they come the Torchwood guys are in um the end of series four, Stolen Earth Journey's End. Mm-hmm. Um but that being said, once series one was over, for some reason it got ridiculously popular in the US. Huh. Like crazy popular. There I mean, cause it, <laughs> it's really strange because I know that especially around that time there were people who were Torchwood fans but weren't Doctor Who fans. Wow. Which seems demented to me. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it really, really took off. I don't know if it's just because it was like, oh, it's Welsh and it's cute, or, mm. you know, we like Yanto, we like Jack, we like Gwen. Um, yeah, it just it just took off. And Series 2 um, is actually better, mm. I think. There's, I mean, there's, a, there's, I mean, there's some episodes in there which are actually really worthwhile, I mean, sort of the end of series two is called called Fragments, which is kind of everyone's backstory. Mm-hmm. Um, and although you sort of hate, you know, flashback episodes are never really the best thing going. Um, this one is actually very good. Um, there's one called Adrift, which is really sort of hardcore adult mm-hmm. um, science fiction. It was more, it seemed like, although it wasn't perfect and there was a lot wrong with it still, yeah. especially with the characters because you really couldn't get on board any of the characters still, especially Gwen. Mm. She is horrible. <laughs> and it's, it's one of those things of, like I said, it's, it's like Rose, but sort of to the nth degree in the, when we talked about series one mm. and I said, although Rose is our audience identification figure, she does things which suck. Mm. Um, and you can sort of let that go because you know, she's 19 or whatever, but with Gwen, mm. it's just, it's that, but sort of plus, plus, plus <laughs> she is the worst She's really <laughs> awful. And, um, yeah, it's difficult to get on board with characters. But I think in Series 2, it's better they injected more humour into it. They scaled back on the boobs and just sort of juvenile bollocks, really. Mm-hmm. And I think that they they kind of made a step. Yeah. And I couldn't... Although, it, like I say, it wasn't perfect. There were episodes I enjoyed and some interesting ideas and fair enough. Mm-hmm. You know, I thought, fine. Um, so, did you watch any of series two or not? Um, I've seen bits, but like yeah. I've never like bits on YouTube, but I've never really watched it all the way through. I think I caught the end of the last episode. Yeah, I mean, problem Next is the last episode is actually quite weak, hmm. um, and introduces a horrible continuity problem <laughs> um, because if you follow um, 
that if you follow their logic and they, their version of established events, there are three Captain Jacks oh. in Boot Town. <laughs> Technically speaking, mm-hmm. there's three of them. <laughs> you know, wow. there's one, one in the TARDIS, one in the morgue frozen at Torchwood, and one running Torchwood. <laughs> Which is just a, is, a, is a headache for continuity nerds like me. Um, but you can just headache. about make it work. It's a fuck. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's a mess. Um, so then, what I think it was was it like a gap of eighteen months or something between series two and three? Or am I making that up? It, it was a while. I, I can't. It remember was a while. Time. I remember mm. that it sort of it was going on, and there wasn't any news about it. And I think a lot of people just went, "Well, perhaps they thought, well, they're flogging a dead horse with this." And mm-hmm. I mean, the viewing figures I remember were decent, but not great. And yeah, uh, you just sort of wonder if they thought, well, it's kind of run its course. We kind of done everything we can with it. Um, because Captain Jack was pretty well out of the of Doctor Who as well by that point. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it was kind of a long gap. And then Children of Earth rolled around. Mm. And I definitely thought, finally, <laughs> they've nailed it. They yeah. absolutely get what they're doing. It, it, I mean, if you're someone like maybe Mike, in that you watch series one and two and went, uh, and haven't bothered with Miracle, uh, hasn't bothered with Children of Earth, Please go and watch it. It is <laughs> fabulous. Mm. I mean, I, again, I've seen bits of it. Um, I've, I've obviously I, I know Peter Capaldi's in it, so yes, that's. I mean, that's it's worth it's worth checking out for that. Actually, Peter Capaldi is brilliant in it. Mm. Um, finally, the characters work. Um, it's it's humour, pathos, um, really stark kind of. It's but it's really yeah. kind of actually adult science fiction, mm-hmm. and and it's like I say, it's five episodes. It cracks along. Um, it, I'll say, I mean, we, we watched it. It was on every night in a week. Mm-hmm. And then they did an omnibus of all of it. And yeah. we sat, we did obviously the every night in a week. Then we take the omnibus and we had every, like mates around where you just sat in silence and watched a lot. Mm. And it was incredible. Yeah, It's a really, really good, just solid mini series. And you thought, finally, they've, they've nailed it. Um, and then another great big long gap. And oh, yeah. Miracle Day. <laughs> Good God, Miracle Day. Um, which, again, it was funded by Stars, the network that did uh, Spartacus and um, all that sort of stuff. And if you've seen Spartacus, <laughs> of which I've seen about the first 10 minutes and then turned it off, <laughs> so I thought, what a load of juvenile bollocks. Yeah. <laughs> I was, I just, I thought, how is this even on television? Turned it off. I mean, I do know people who love it because it's so, so terrible. Um <laughs> But it might be something that you sort of enjoy. But, you know, when I found out the stars was taking care of this, I thought, oh, Jesus, it's <laughs> it's doomed. And it was um, yep. my, my feelings on Miracle Day because I reviewed every episode as it went along. My thoughts on Miracle Day are well documented. <laughs> I hated it. I mean, actually hated it. Wow. It it was awful. It's, it's absolute garbage. Um I would not recommend that anyone waste 10 hours of their life on this uh, show. Mm. Um, but if you're feeling particularly hateful, um, I'll say, I mean, I've, I'd had elbow surgery um, yeah. when the premiere was on. And I, I mean, we had tickets to go and see it like at the BFI, which is down in London. Oh, really? So I couldn't, I, we had tickets, but I was feeling um, pretty ropey still and I didn't mm. feel well enough to go. So my other half went and he said, oh, it was quite good. Yeah. I was like, okay. So we watched the first episode and I turned around to him and went, you're mental. That was 
And he and he just went, he was looking at the TV, he didn't look at me, he went, yeah, it's not as good as I remember it. <laughs> <laughs> and it only goes downhill from there. It is really, really awful. Hmm. Um, I think it's been, has it been a year since that was? No, more than that. It's been, oh, I think it might, might only be a year old. Uh... Yeah, something like that. Um, apparently, stars. Uh, it's kind of one of those things of now. It seems to be in development hell. Um, mm. Series five, so they leave it on a cliff, or not in a cliffhanger, but they leave it so that you could, you could continue it if you wanted. Yeah. Um, but it's one of those things of it's. Last time I read about it, it stars are like we're not doing it unless RTD writes it, mm. and RTD's like, well, I'm not doing it if stars do, unless stars do that. So <laughs> they're in kind of that thing of well, I'll do it if you do it, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it probably might just. Just dead in the water. Just it's just dead in the water at this point. I think that occasionally when I've seen John Barrowman interviewed, uh, he said he seems quite optimistic about it, as does uh, Eve Miles, who mm. played Gwen. But um, no, I think it's it's probably um, had its day. And to be honest, on the on reflection of Miracle Day, good. <laughs> you know, they, they absolutely. If 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 Children of Earth had been the last thing that torture had ever did. Um, mm. It would be much more fondly remembered than it ever will be now that we've had to sit through Miracle Day. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's basically Torchwood. Um, so failed experiment or moderate success? I don't know. What do you, What do you think of it, um, Mike? I would probably sort of put it up more on the scale of moderate success because it, I mean it's it's had some spin-offs, it's had some few audio dramas, few books written about it. Mm. Um. I read um, I read about the first six books, mm. um, of which I think I can't remember how many there were in the end. But I read the first six, and you know it's one of those things of the first three were written before Torture ever came out. Oh, right. they, those things of the writers got the character notes, and then they had to sort of just guess, um, <laughs> because you always get this when you have new doctors, new companions, because mm-hmm. they always have to write these books well in advance of them ever being on TV. Yeah, so they just have to write it based on, like I say, character notes and. Mm-hmm rough ideas from the um whoever happens to be in charge so they're sort of they're sort of 95 percent of the way there but not quite because mm. obviously you've now seen the tv show and you're reading these books and they never seem quite on the right. money yeah so that's always like the first three but the ones after that are usually better mm-hmm. um but yeah um i read the first six and the first three are okay and it was kind of one of those ones of like one out of the six was quite good mm-hmm. and the rest were kind of meh mm. Um, so it, I, it might be one of those things of like snatch up your Torchwood merchandise. Like if you can get some action figures in the plastic still, they might become quite rare because mm-hmm. um, no one bought them. <laughs> uh, but like I say, it does seem to have quite a devoted fan base still, or small and vocal. Because um, yeah. uh, uh, Yanto, who's one of the characters in it, who mm-hmm. um, oh god, this is going to spoil it for you if I tell you this. Are oh, you I, know, I know, I know what happens. What becomes of them? Yes, well, he passes him. on, yes. let's put it that way, in, in circumstances, which mm. I won't go into. Well, not so much passes on as more killed to death. I was trying to be nice. <laughs> oh. I was trying not to be too specific, but um, they're basically, in Cardiff, the the entrance to the Torchwood Underground base, which is down by the bay, mm-hmm. is actually there. It's got, it's basically a bit of disused dock sort of thing, yeah. but it's still there. 
But on his fake birthday, mm-hmm. <laughs> the 24th of July, it happens to be my birthday, um, fans will go down and add to the Yanto Jones Memorial Wall, oh. which started as just a couple of little things, just a couple of little, you know, birthday cards and teddy bears and stuff. But now it's the entire side of that wall. <laughs> um, it's ridiculous. <laughs> Um, you know, I haven't been down there for a couple of years, but the last time I went down there, it was absolutely like bloody Diana's funeral. It was ridiculous. <laughs> you know, so I don't know. It seems to have fans, mm. but not amongst a lot of people that I happen to know and other fans that I know. So mm. I kind of put it in, like you say, kind of moderate success. Yeah. Whether you sort of. That's the sort of Doctor Who spin-off you... I mean, is it better than Kane Island Company? Some of it, but a lot of it is much worse. <laughs> so I think we'll come on to the last official spin-off so far uh, mm. to this date. And, and I think probably the most successful by far, mm. the Sarah Jane Adventures. Yeah. Um, and this, I think this is the one that sort of got really sort of kicked off. I mean, because it was made for CBBC and um, it, it seems to have captured like the younger audience a lot better. And it's, it's amazing they managed to do it with you know, sort of like a companion who a lot of these kids probably would have only maybe seen in School Reunion, Sarah Jane Oh, absolutely, Smith. yeah. Um, so it's down to RTD, I think, more than anything, just his mm. love for Liz Sladen <laughs> and Sarah Jane, the character. Yeah. And gave her, you know, some, some child companions, essentially, <laughs> and her own uh, sort of uh, space stuff, in the, especially in the form of Mr. Smith, the uh, sentient mm. computer, and just sent them on sort of <clears throat> kid-friendly adventures. Yeah. And you know what? A lot of it was absolutely corking and mm. really actually a good watch for adults as well. Yeah. Um, yeah, some of these episodes that they put out, I mean, especially like in, I think, Series 3, every single episode was absolute banger it was great mm. i mean and as well like things like the wedding of sarah jane smith we've got the 10th doctor in it yeah um death of the doctor I mean, had the 11th death, and yeah. uh, joe grant and joe grant i mean even just watching it for kind of fanish reasons yeah they're actually really solid stories mm-hmm. and i think there's a lot there for kids and it's a shame that uh, liz sladen passed away because obviously mm. the series has come to a halt because of her death um in series five because the kids were getting older they were trying to get into more mature stuff mm-hmm. and they're actually tackling it really well i thought um yeah it's just, it's such a crying shame uh yeah. that it's uh that it's now had to end i think they made the right decision not trying to carry it on with somebody else or mm-hmm. yeah because i mean her name is above the door it is the sarah jane adventures yeah so i mean the I way think... that they left it is good yeah i think um the bbc <clears throat> offered uh russell T. davis the chance to recast uh, Sarah Jane Smith, and he just went, no. Absolutely not. Which, yeah. which is totally the right thing. You, you can't just, you can't fob us off with somebody who, you know, isn't, you know, Elizabeth Sladen. Yeah. She's, she's far too iconic now. Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, it's, the thought that, it may, the thought that that was even entertained is actually a bit sad. Mm. Uh, I'm glad that it was, like I say, they didn't try and sort of push on or maybe just have, follow Luke at university or something like that. I'm glad that it's uh, it's actually stopped because it was the right thing to do. Yeah. But again, it's one of these things of, I remember we talked, I talked to Rick once on Admiral's Table. I can't remember who was on, else was on it, but mm-hmm. we talked a bit about the Sarah Jane Adventures and he said, oh, it looks a bit kiddie. And I said, well, it is aimed at kids, mm-hmm. but it's actually something which is really impressively written, yeah. is really solid. And some of these episodes are actually absolutely corking and it's considerably <laughs> better than Torchwood. <laughs> And at times considerably better than the main episodes of Doctor Who that are on. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it was, 
it was just it was a triumph it was one of those things that this is as someone who's invested in the franchise if we're going to call it that mm-hmm. um sarah jane adventures is a sort of thing that i want as a spin-off to doctor who mm. i think it's it's like in, in a world where we want where you know there's demographics and we like franchise everything and spin-offs galore you know it's it's the sort of thing that i want representing my show almost yeah. Um, I think it might be worth uh, quickly delving into some of the stuff that was um, put about but never uh, never came to be. Oh, yes, let's do that. I have here um, the About about Time Volume 5 mm-hmm. by uh, Lawrence Miles and Tatwood. Yeah. Um, in it, there is a, a little essay uh, bits with some other spin-offs. So um, why don't you kick us off, Mike, and I'll jump in as we go. Well, we're going to go right back to the 60s, actually. The first attempted spin-off was by that magnificent bastard Terry Nation. <laughs> he tried to peddle his Daleks over the over to the states, and um, he put it forth a series called the Destroyers, um, which would have Sarah Kingdom and Brett Vine from Daleks Master Plan in it. And of course, that went nowhere. Um, also, they did try to do a couple more things with Peter Cushing's Doctor Who. Um, they were originally going to make a third. Dalek movie based on the chase and I have to be honest I kind of would have liked to have seen that because as we've said before there's a bit in the chase where they end up in a funhouse and the first conclusion the doctor leaps to is oh it's a world of dreams now (laughs) I have a problem with William Hartnell coming up with crap like that but Peter Cushing I'd say I could see that somehow Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because Peter Cushing's Doctor Who was a bit a little bit more daffier I, I seem to remember from watching the movies yeah, he's, he's sort of more eccentric grandfather. Mm. He's not an alien. That's exactly what he is. So. Yeah. Um, and I think they're also going to try and do a radio series. I think they might have made a pilot, but uh, again, that never really, never really went anywhere. Mm. Um, we should talk about Tom Baker's movie <laughs> that he banged on and on about for years: the oh. Doctor Who meets Scratchman thing. Wow. Yeah, God. I mean, that might actually be a podcast to itself, but mm. yeah, that went on for years and years and years. Wasn't it sort of like season 17, it started going around, series 16, something, something like, like that? that. It was, do it. Yeah, he was, was co-writing it with Ian Marsh, I believe. Yeah, he so, was, wasn't he? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, get, this is something that if you're interested in it, I would recommend actually having a read round about it because mm. it's, it's, like I say, it's a whole thing to itself. And it's completely um, fucking mad it's mental absolutely it's mental it's mental oh do you know what? i think we might have to stick that on uh, a future episode just just going through the plot and just going what the fuck oh absolutely yeah okay put it on the slate we'll do that one day mm. uh let's leave that one there um in according- the, yeah well, in the 80s um nelvana tried to make a cartoon they did um put out production art for a doctor who cartoon series and looking at it, it's really weird looking at it because you have a doctor that kind of looks like Egon Spengler from the real Ghostbusters. You have K9, which turns into a bag. And you have um, a variant of Dalek, which kind of looks like Sonic the Hedgehog would jump on. It's really, it's really weird. Yeah, it really is. <laughs> it's bizarre. It's really strange. Again, the comics is a whole other thing. Mm-hmm. Um Again, it might be something we want to talk about a bit more in the future, but yeah, the the comic strips are mm. really demented, especially like the early ones. Yeah. Oh yeah. And had, got... Oh, and you had Bessie um, with the hover conversion, like the DeLorean from Back to the Future. <laughs> Where are we going? We don't need roads. <laughs> um, yeah, but there's the things like you know the Second Doctor and his his 
John and Gillian, I think, are his grandchildren in mm. it or something. And they're kids, like proper like six-year-olds. Yeah. And he has like this really weird lust for gold and things like that. It's really strange. <laughs> um, in the book here, I have uh, Son of Doctor Who. Oh, yes. That was William Hartnell's idea, wasn't it? It was. Um, in this, the, I'm just going to read here. It's the easiest way to put it. In this, the Doctor's estranged son, also to be played by Hartnell, has a... <laughs> has a better equipped TARDIS and sets about trying to rewrite history. The real Doctor, therefore, has to set things to rights and avoid being mistaken for the malefactor, as well as handing whatever caused this <laughs> caused the division. Um, yeah. Huh. Glad that didn't go anywhere. Yeah. I, mean, I, think, I don't know whether that's where they got the prototype for the meddling monk from, actually. It sounds... Yeah. As they say, no, you know, the logistics of Billy on Billy action, as yeah. they put it in here. Yeah. It's sort of, you may, you may recognise this plot idea from such episodes mm. as... Um, wow. But yeah, it might have been one of these things that they, they, you know, put it in a story and said, there you go, Bill, now shut up about it. Um, Jago and Lightfoot Investigates was put round as mm. a, a theme, but I mean, they're on audio now. Um, I, I was at a convention on Sunday, just not obviously a huge one, but just a sort of a smaller one, and they were selling some CDs, and that's up to series six now. Wow. I mean, they're only like four episodes a series yeah. or four CDs, but still to... To be, uh, I mean, that's cracking along. Um, mm. I haven't actually heard any of them, but um, they must be doing well if they're up to Series 6. Um, also have Unit here, which would have been kind of uh, probably like a kind of old serial like action, kind of mm. like the Persuaders of the Saint. Um, but it just didn't didn't go anywhere. Um, mm. Again, it sort of had a second life on audio. And one here, which I, I don't think is... <laughs> anyone ever gave any uh, Mr. Oak and Mr. Quill Ah oh, right, I've never heard of that one Yeah, um, so Victor Pemberton who wrote Fury from the Deep which is an episode which is missing from the uh, archives mm-hmm. um, he said, brought up a plan, he claims he was seriously proposed for the story Seaweed Possessed Double Act to get their own show Now, Mr. Oak and Mr. Quill basically imagine Jay and Silent Bob without the weed and swearing and you basically have Mr. Oak and Mr. Quill um, but not even quite so heterosexual either. Um, huh. I can't believe that was ever seriously proposed. Oh, wow. Yeah. I don't even know what it would be about. Just these two <laughs> having zany adventures. Mm. Um, um, I do believe um, CBBC, before Sarah Jane Adventures came along, um, said they wanted to do a young Doctor Who series. Yeah. I think, again, this was sort of... Because um, they had things like Totally Doctor Who then, mm. which, um, for anyone who had didn't, who didn't see it, you lucky people, which uh, <laughs> is sort of basically kind of a kid competition to be the Doctor's companion or something like that. Yeah. And they would have to do Doctor Who-related tasks every week, kind of X-Factor style. Um, that had two series, I believe. I believe um, so, yeah. Between series two and series three. So I remember it's the first place i saw because rtd drew a scarecrow from the family of blood mm-hmm. and showed it uh, so that's the first place i saw that um yeah it was uh, it was sort of a bit like that it kind of came out of that i think but again never went anywhere i mm-hmm. mean and you've got even thing, things that have spun off from the books like bloody iris wild time <laughs> seen any of that heard any of those uh no i know it's katie manning it is katie manning doing a comedy northern accent right um yeah, it, I mean, mm. they are quite fun, and mm-hmm. it's basically about 
possibly someone who is a time lady or has just acquired a TARDIS from somewhere, mm-hmm. um, which is smaller on the inside because it's shit. Mm-hmm. And it's in, the, it's in the shape of a bus. And basically this drunk old woman who goes around um, having misadventures. Um, yeah, that's basically it. I, I think the last time I heard, I, they, they had a, a series of audios. They mm. had books and audios. And I listened to the first series, and yeah, they're quite good, um, sort of quite fun, but you sort of have to know your Doctor Who quite well because they will make sort of back-reference jokes. Yeah. But I think in terms of people that have come out of the books and are now on audio and are doing the best, Bernie Summerfield. Mm. Um, yeah. Bernie Summerfield. So basically, I did wonder aloud when River Song turned up if Lisa Bowman was feeling cheesed off. Because <laughs> basically, imagine River Song, but without yeah. the baggage mm. of the yeah. Doctor Who storyline. And that's basically Bernie Summerfield. Yeah. Um, um, she's like a space archaeologist um, who works for the the Braxiatel collection. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and again, the I mean, has had a, quite a life on books, and I think he's up to like series fifteen in the audios at the moment. <laughs> uh, again, it's something that I listened to, um, kind of the first couple of series of and enjoyed, but mm. was kind of overwhelmed by the amount the avalanche of stuff you kind of have to. <laughs> keep up with to keep up with the storylines so yeah i mean i'm sure there's stuff that i've forgotten and missed but yeah yeah, that's basically everything that i could think of doctor who spin-off wise and when you sort of just sit down and think well there's tortured and sarah jane Mm -hmm. there's actually a ton of stuff out there Mm. i mean it's it's interesting also to mention there's been a lot of call on the interwebs now for um Vastra strax and jenny to get their own spin-off yes there has been a huge call for that um What, what do you think Use that old BBC expression. I think it's got legs. Mm-hmm. I think they could do it. Um, but it's that kind of thing of how much actual appeal is this going to have? Yeah. Like outs Because for these spin-offs to work, you have to get people who don't watch the main show mm-hmm. to watch it. Yeah. Truly. And um, I don't know. If you don't know Doctor Who, to have a an, inter- an interspecial married couple... Mm-hmm. A Silurian, a human, and a Sontaran. Yeah. So basically, a lizard lady, a human woman, and a potato man mm-hmm. having adventures in 1880s London. Yeah. You know, and then where, who do you aim it at? Mm. Do you aim, I mean, is this going to be like a kid thing and they have like sort of, you know, artful dodger sort of adventures? Or are you going <laughs> to go adult and have like ripper murders and all that sort of thing? It's kind of where do you, yeah, where do you pitch it at? Um, um, it's going to be really difficult. Yeah, I, I mean, I'll, I'll put this down. I love Astro Strax and Jenny. Absolutely. But I, I wouldn't want to see that. Yeah, it's I, one of those things that it's fine in small doses. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I love them every time they appear on Doctor Who. That's great. Mm. But I don't, I just don't know if, like, their own little, even if it was like one-off, even that, I yeah. think it might be... You know, stretching it a bit because you're only going to really get the people who watch Doctor Who and know who these people are. Yeah, watching it. Yeah, I mean, because if you're talking about in purely in viewing figures, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> Day of the Doctor being the exception, but generally speaking, kind of eight million people a week watch Doctor Who. Mm. So, and at the lowest, it's five million. Mm-hmm. So, somewhere between eight and five million people watch it every week, mm-hmm. not without fail. So take the lowest number. So say 5 million people a week watch Doctor Who. And we consider these the hardcore fans because they watch every week mm-hmm. regardless. They're not just flicking over between this and the X Factor. Mm. So if you've got 5 million Doctor Who fans 
and you have something like as special and as unique as Adventure Time in Space, mm-hmm. and only two million people watch that. Yeah. So yeah. take that two million slice out. Mm-hmm. That's probably how many people are going to watch the Strax Jenny and and um, Vastra. Vastra show. Yeah. So is two million people a week enough to justify making? this show probably not these are the hardest of the hardcore people who watch anything doctor who mm. probably not probably not so you know if you're talking you know if you're going to be awful and think about just demographics and again the, the but the cost of the show as well i mean tortured mm. was fairly expensive but this is going to be even more expensive you've got effects to worry about with this one oh and two prosthetics. Of, two, i mean prosthetics because two of your three leads are in full face prosthetics uh, mm. pr- prosthetics so, I mean, how are you going to do that every week? It just, you know, it seems like... And like I say, I think you, there's just there's just too much of a risk of the joke running, wearing thin, mm-hmm. I think. I mean, because like you, like you, I love them when they're on the show. I loved uh, Crimson Horror that mm-hmm. was on last year. I, I thought that was a really fun show. Um, and it was, just, it was just right, though. It was just at the level yeah. of enough. And I think if you go to the next level beyond that, mm-hmm. you're going to ruin them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the only other thing that sort of popped up recently is obviously with uh, Night of the Doctor, uh, a lot of people have also been clamouring for more stuff with Paul McGann. Yep. Now, again, mm. I, I would I would love to see more Paul McGann because I, yeah. I thought he, he got shattered terribly with the TV movie. Yeah. Um, but again, it's like, how do you... I mean, because now they've got, you know, Peter Capaldi's first series The Doctor co- to concentrate on. So, you know, they're not going to do anything with Paul McGann then. I could maybe see him doing, like, a, a multi-Doctor show again, just, like, maybe for either, like, the 10th anniversary of the series return or maybe even the 20th anniversary of the TV movie in 2016. I could see something mm-hmm. like that, but... Yeah, I could. I uh, say I could see something like... See, the problem is, again, we're talking about the BBC, mm-hmm. who, although the BBC is funded by license payers in this country mm-hmm. you have a worldwide brand now yeah. and they're going to protect that brand and you know there's some executive saying well if there's two doctor who shows on at the same time mm-hmm. we're going to split the audience and it's going to confuse people mm-hmm. and like you say especially with a new doctor coming in in a couple of weeks time yeah they're absolutely not going to even risk the thought of a paul mcgann mm-hmm. centered anything i think a lot of them will say well look there's hundreds of big Finnish audios with him in mm-hmm. go and listen to them um and to a certain extent i agree he's mm-hmm. had a you know and i agree with you as well he's absolutely got hosed by the tv movie and mm-hmm. he des- he's a brilliant actor and he deserves much more than that mm-hmm. but he's also a very busy actor because he's good yeah. so i think i can definitely see if they could get him to do it and mm-hmm. if they were all right with the money and they did it really low budget Maybe something like a web series would be better mm. rather than putting it on the TV. I mean, because, again, we're talking about that hardness of the hardcore watchers, mm. that two million or so people, I would say, yeah. who are super into Doctor Who and want to watch everything Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. You know, can, could they? what if they did something like a web series with like a sort of okay budget and if it did really well, like put it out on DVD mm-hmm. and then, or do straight to DVD stuff? So I remember Kennedy once said um, on the Starbase many moons ago, I think before the the first J.J. Abrams Star Trek film came out, (laughs) 
wouldn't you watch, wouldn't you buy straight to DVD Captain Riker of the Enterprise <laughs> TV movies? And mm. I shouted, yes, I would at my iPod. <laughs> and I think that if they did straight to DVD Paul McGann, like 90 minute adventures mm-hmm. or 70 minutes, something like that, charge a fiver for them or something like that, seven quid, buy it off iTunes on the day mm. of release. Get a, get a special featured release um, uh, DVD like they did with Stargate. Hmm. Oh, yeah, do it yeah. that way. Yeah, you could do that. I think that's a better solution than trying to say, oh, yeah, get Paul McGann back on telly. Hmm. They're never going to do that because they've got, now that it's a bloody colossal juggernaut of money, basically licensed to print money, mm-hmm. They anything that they think might compromise that, yeah. chuck it out the window. Yeah. Well, I think that's yeah, it's a pretty good coverage of uh, all. Yeah, the, I was going to say. I mean, <laughs> yeah, there's absolute tons of stuff. I think there's a lot of stuff. I think we're going to come back to and we're going to mm. reference in future episodes. Um, but yeah, I think as an overview, again, I'm sorry if we didn't get to your favourite Doctor Who spin-off thing or talk <laughs> about it enough. This, I mean, this show would be three hours long otherwise. So, mm-hmm. yeah. um, if I mean, you, yeah, I mean, okay. if you if you really like Zygon when being you just isn't enough. I mean, yeah, that that's that's fine, but. I don't see us covering it. No, I mean, if you do really like it, if you've watched it and um, you want to talk to us about it and think it's worth our time, then I think they should get in touch with us, Mike. So why don't you uh, explain how they could do that? Absolutely. You can email us at uh, greatestshow at simplysyndicated.com. We also have a Twitter account, which is at greatestshowpod. And Emma runs the Facebook page. Tell us about that, Ems. Uh, greatest show podcast um, on the fa- on the Facebooks. Give us a search. Um, also, uh, we had a, a crossover with the guys over at the Starbase uh, mm-hmm. recently. So go and check us out there as well, and check their show out as well as everything else on the Simply Syndicated Network. Absolutely. Well, thanks very much for your time, Emma. Oh, as always, mate. All right. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you again next time.